This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. Everybody loves a lighthouse. That is, except those who uh, find themselves ignoring the lighthouse, and then all of a sudden they find the value of the lighthouse. But what is a lighthouse for? And is your life a lighthouse? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about this matter of the lighthouse, and I'm glad that you joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Don't turn that dial, because today may be one of the most important broadcasts you will ever hear. Everybody loves a lighthouse, but why? Today, I actually purchased one. No, I did not purchase one sitting out on some cliff somewhere over the Atlantic or in Michigan or on the West Coast. No, I did not purchase one of those lighthouses. There are about a thousand of them across the United States, at least there were. About a thousand lights as well as light towers, range lights, and pierhead lights. And Michigan had more lights than any state with over 150 past and present. Sounds interesting. But no, I didn't purchase one of those. I purchased one that's 48 inches tall, got it on a special deal, 48 inches tall, and it's run by solar. Now, there's a reason why I purchased it, because I have a situation in which I want to see the light. I want to see the light, but a lot of people in and around your life want to see the light, too. The problem is they're having a difficult time doing it. Why might that be? Are you hiding your light under a bushel? Are you refusing to turn on the power, or don't you have any power to keep that light lit? Or perhaps maybe the windows of your lighthouse are so dirty so clouded with the affairs of this world, the lust of other things and so on, that you just can't seem to get the light out of the lighthouse. And so today, today is going to be an informative program, but also a transformative program, as always, as we confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Not not much light coming from the Congress, is there? Not much light coming from the White House. Not much light coming from the church house either these days, or the schoolhouse, or the courthouse. And the reason is because the light that was supposed to emanate from those institutions has been corrupted, has been colored, has been clouded. And so the light that should be shining into our country is just not doing its job. And interestingly, the church was ostensibly supposed to be the lighthouse of the nation. But as Jesus said, you are the light of the world, but if the light that's in you be darkness, then how great is that darkness? And with churches closing up and people drifting away from the church, are they drifting away because they're not getting any light there anymore? 
Or are they drifting away because they themselves have no light within themselves, and so they're drawn to the darkness? And the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. You want to know why there's so much darkness encroaching upon America today? Because the deeds and hearts and minds of the people are increasingly wicked. No wonder Jeremiah made the observation that the heart of man is desperately wicked who can know it. So if the heart of a man or woman is wicked, then what kind of light would you think would emanate from that person's life? Would it be the light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness cannot comprehend, that the darkness cannot put out because the light shines brightly? Or would it be some other kind of light, or the absence thereof, darkness? And why is it that we need light at night? But most of the evil deeds that are done in our world are done at night. It's because there's no light. Right? Therefore, if the deeds within professing Christians' homes and hearts and lives and even our churches are increasingly darkened, it's because the light is not shining there anymore. Or it's flickering out so lightly that you have to strain to see it. And then when you think you see it, it flickers out again. How can we have a nation that has confidence in a lighthouse whose light keeps flickering out? Whose windows are shrouded in clouds and inner darkness? That's what we want to talk about here for the balance of the program today. But we have much more to talk about than that. We want to find out the very nature of a lighthouse, the oldest lighthouse station in the country is Boston Light. It's the second oldest lighthouse structure in the United States, Boston Light. Charleston Light, the last manned lighthouse built on shore in the United States. And I have before me a list of all of the current lighthouses. Boone Island Light in Maine, is the tallest in New England. It's 133 feet tall. And the shortest in Rhode Island, 13 feet tall. Interesting. Most of us imagine a lighthouse to be quite tall. But it doesn't necessarily have to be quite tall if indeed its light is bright and it's posted in such a way that it can be seen at a distance. So let me ask you a question. How tall are you? Are you six foot three? Are you five foot two and eyes of blue? Are you three feet seven? What, how tall are you? You know that the interesting thing is that it doesn't matter how tall the lighthouse is if it's properly placed. Now, God properly places his lighthouses that is, you and me, 
But if we don't allow our light to shine as we are placed, then the people that God wanted to see that light aren't going to see it. So the issue isn't how tall the lighthouse is. It's how tall the lighthouse is with regard to where it is and what it is to accomplish. So don't be despairing if your lighthouse is small. Don't be despairing if you're not six foot seven or six foot three or five foot eleven for you ladies. Don't be despairing. You might just be tall enough. Remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. But Jesus saw him. And he thought he was pretty significant, even though he had to climb up into a tree to be seen. And he invited Jesus over, and because of that, he was converted. His light began to shine. Is your light shining? Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. It appears that the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse in North Carolina may be the tallest in the country, 210 feet. And then in Cape Charles, Virginia, 191 feet. These seem to be the tallest lighthouses in the country, as best that I can discover. The shortest being 13 feet. Again, the issue isn't how tall it is. Even though the height of the lighthouse causes us to stare with awe. But why do we do that? Why are we prone to look with such awe at a lighthouse? And here's another question. Why do we see lighthouses as beautiful? When in reality, lighthouses are not particularly beautiful at all. But they do stand out in unique circumstances and call our attention to them. But why do we like that? What is it that draws us to the lighthouse? That's going to be an interesting theme here in the balance of the program here today, because what draws us or what we think draws us to the lighthouse may actually have almost nothing whatsoever to do with its purpose. In fact, might actually be opposed to its purpose. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to make your light shine. He said, let your light shine. That means we have the ability to keep it from shining. We have the ability to allow the light in the lighthouse to be darkened, to have no power, to flicker out, to be mismanaged. We have that power. We have the authority. So it's up to you and it's up to me whether the light shines. Now, our pastors serve in a unique position because they should be 
working and encouraging as, shall we say, spiritual masters and managers over the various lighthouses in the church and uh, in our country to make sure that the light in the lighthouse is shining, that the windows are not clouded with sin and rebellion and disobedience, all the things that keep our light from shining, or that turn our light into, what should we say, a message of hypocrisy that actually turns our light into darkness in front of the people that we want to affect with the light. So pastors have a very strong obligation in this regard. Therefore, there is a, shall we say, a powerful conclusion to be drawn, that if the light in the lighthouse, that is the church in America, is flickering out, growing dim, it's largely the responsibility of the pastors and the parachurch leaders. In other words, we can be co-complicit in actually causing the light in the lighthouse to wane and go out. Now, that's a pretty serious responsibility, particularly since God is the one who gave us the light. Jesus was the light of the world, he said, but he said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But then Jesus left. Remember, after his crucifixion, 50 days later, 40 days later, he ascends up to the Father, and he says, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. So then he turns around and says, now let your light so shine. While I was in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now I'm not in the world, you're in the world, let your light shine. Interesting, isn't it? So let's take a look at this matter of the lighthouse. And you'll see perhaps one of the reasons why uh, I feel drawn to the lighthouse, as you are, but even perhaps more so. Because Save America Ministries is an American lighthouse. This ministry, Save America Ministries, is an American lighthouse. You say, how can it be an American lighthouse? I don't see any light there. Well, I have people all over the country, in fact, all over the world, that say they do. Now, they're not looking at how tall I stand or how short I may be. What they're looking at is what kind of light what is the intensity and clarity of the light that emanates from this ministry, Save America Ministries, and this radio program, Viewpoint? So we want to take a look at this, and if you have never heard me discuss this before, you need to listen very, very carefully. You really do, because it's going to give you a whole new perspective on the role of a lighthouse. Now, the mission and mantle of Save America Ministries is to woo and to warn a nation nearing moral and spiritual shipwreck. To woo and to warn. Well, guess what? That's exactly what a lighthouse is supposed to do. Isn't it? A, a lighthouse is not supposed to give you warm feelings. No. 
is to let you know, hey, you're close to shore. Better be careful. Save America Ministries is a beacon of hope to a nation wallowing in the tempestuous seas of spiritual distress. That's what we are. That's who we are. That's why God called me to lead the practice of law at the height of my career. He said he'd been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour, here on the near edge of the second coming. Notice we use the word crisis. Not challenging. No, it's a crisis hour. Save America Ministries presents a message that is both positive and negative. It produces great hope in those who heed it, but it causes others to recoil in horror as they reject it. Recently, I've had a number of people who have called me or written and saying, your program is so encouraging. Your program is so encouraging. In other words, they're perceiving the program, even though we deal with the toughest issues of our time, both in and out of the church. They concede that the program is positive in its orientation. On the other hand, there are those who say, there's no grace in your ministry. There's no grace in your message. What they're saying is, I don't accept what you're saying. I don't accept it. And so they perceive it as negative because they don't want to receive the message. So let's say you're a ship captain. You're a ship captain and you're coming along and you know you're nearing your destination and all of a sudden you see the lighthouse looming up above the clouds and so on. You see the lighthouse. Now you have two choices. You can either react with joy, or you can react in horror. And we're going to see how that can be. You see, the choice of how we react to the lighthouse and how we see a lighthouse is up to us. And whether we see it and respond to the message of the lighthouse will determine our destiny. And that's why we say every single day on this program that viewpoint determines destiny. Our viewpoint always determines destiny. No matter what the viewpoint might be, it will incrementally determine your destiny. Save America Ministries delivers a message that produces response. People either heed it or they ignore it. But either way is a response. You see, what's happened in ministries today and for the past 50 years is to try to seduce people to want to listen, and in so doing, they sugarcoat the message so much that it doesn't even accomplish its purpose. They're trying to seduce people to feel good. Like Oprah Winfrey said after attending the church down there in Houston, she said, I was so glad to be there because I wasn't offended 
It made me feel good. She said, I don't want to go to church and feel bad. I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to have to deal with something like that. You see the problem. She does not see the church as a true lighthouse from God. She wants the church to give her warm fuzzies, to make her feel good, even though she may be in danger of spiritual shipwreck. She doesn't want anybody telling her that. How about you? Are you open? Are you really open to God's message? Really? Not just any message, but one that would speak piercingly and profoundly into the deepest recesses of your mind and heart. Is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for non-negotiable God bless you's, sweet nothings? Save America Ministries does not seek to please, but to provoke. To provoke to what? To righteousness and reconciliation and repentance and spiritual course correction. People have to be provoked toward those things. That's why God sent prophets. He sent prophets to provoke Israel back to the pathway to stay out of trouble so that they would not shipwreck. In fact, he sent Jesus for the same reason. Did you know that Jesus was a prophet? Do you know what the calling of a prophet is? To provoke the people back to God's viewpoint, perspective, and ways. That's the, the role of the prophet. Not just to teach and not to perform miracles, but to provoke the people back on the path, the road to righteousness, reconciliation with God and with one another, and repentance. It's a spiritual course correction. Save America Ministries has to either declare or douse its light. To diminish the clarity and directness or intensity of the message is to abandon both the calling and purpose as a lighthouse. And we're going to see exactly how that works in the second half of the program. So we either have to declare the light or douse the light. A lot of people, professing Christians, don't want to be seen as a light because they're afraid. They're afraid of the people. They're afraid of, well, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were like that. Many of them, even the priests, believed on Jesus, but they wouldn't confess it. They wouldn't admit it. You know why? Because Jesus said they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Question, do you love the praises of men more than the praises of God? This is a real dilemma for us in the midst of an entertainment culture in which we want to be liked, right? Like, 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 like. I'm tired of hearing the word. Like. If you want to be like something, then let's be like Jesus. Not like everybody else. 
Save America Ministries declares a message that must pierce the night of all American darkness, wooing and warning a religious yet unrighteous people that are seeking heaven but courting hell on the near edge of Christ's second coming. As I'm writing this new book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, it is coming more and more clear to me with great concern that the great movement of our time in America and around the world is to cover our lights and to bring a message that is like a child, a baby eating pablum where there's no light, no energy, nothing of value that comes from that. Just bare existence. And it's getting worse. On the near edge of the second coming. Wow. We'll be there back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. What a blessing it is to join you here today as we're nearing our 26th year, the conclusion of our 26th year on the air, five days a week, live, every day, with a new and fresh program. Today we're talking about the lighthouse. We're talking about the meaning of a lighthouse. We're talking about uh, the meaning, from God's viewpoint, of our lives as a lighthouse, when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, we can't be saved by good works, but our very testimony to salvation must reveal itself in good works that bring glory to God and allow his light to be reflected from our lives. Question, is God's light being reflected from your life in any significant way. Do you have any any sense that your life is reflecting God's light in a meaningful or a significant way? It's just a rhetorical question, just asking. You see, this is how the Bible is supposed to be presented. It's not supposed to be presented as an informational thing. Oh, there's information, there's no question about it. But it's supposed to be presented for transformation. In other words, as we read the Bible, we should be asking ourselves rhetorical questions. How does my life line up with that? A pastor who is properly teaching the Word of God should not be just presenting a lot of biblical information. That may impress you, 
but it does nothing to change you. The whole Bible is for the purpose of transformation, not information. God never commanded us to be informed, did he? No. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you and me to be transformed so that our life will reflect and reveal his glory in an ever-darkening world so that it will bring hope on the edge of shipwreck for the people around us. And you don't even know necessarily whether the people around you for today or tomorrow are nearing shipwreck. You don't know whether someone is considering committing suicide. You don't know the trauma that they've experienced. You don't know whether they're in trial for their life. Like the police officer in Minnesota. You don't know. That's why, on any given day, at any given moment, we have to be aware that we, that you, that I, are ambassadors for Christ. To be an ambassador for Christ means that we are a walking lighthouse. But can you imagine a lighthouse that has no light? And there's darkness all around, and the lighthouse juts up off of a cliff somewhere, but there's no light that emanates from it. Can you imagine that? It's ridiculous, isn't it? But it's no more ridiculous than a professing Christian who has no godly light emanating from their life. In fact, that's even worse. So again, the question is, is there, is God's light actually shining from your life? Now, here's some other follow-up questions. Like, what would be impeding? If you're not absolutely convinced that's the, the case, what is impeding God's light from shining from your life? What is it about your life that is preventing his glory from being reflected from your being so that others can see it and bring glory to God? What is it about your life that is tarnishing the windows of your life so that your light cannot shine? Again, these are rhetorical questions. The number one thing that keeps the light of God from being manifested from the lighthouse of our lives is disobedience. Disobedience. In other words, where our life does not line up with what God said it is supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to be doing. Disobedience. Now you understand why the word obey is deemed a four-letter word today in the church. It's the most hated word in the church. Which is telling us one of the main reasons why God's light and glory is not really being seen very clearly from professing Christians in America today. Because we hate the word obey. 
It's a four-letter word to us. And we set our will, another four-letter word, against God's will by our own choice. Let me give you another illustration, really practical now. Let's suppose that God puts together the most glorious illustration of the relationship between Christ and his church in Genesis chapter 2. It's called marriage. And then Jesus, when he comes to minister, says, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery. And whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. So, here's the question. If you're divorcing your spouse, what is that? how does that affect your light? You might say, well, I didn't have any choice. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. Normally, it takes two to tango. But let's suppose it is true. Now what? Can your life still reveal God's glory? Yes, if you obey him. And if you're serving him with a whole heart and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, yes, you're not going to be able to do it through marriage. Unless your spouse is deceased, in which case you're free to remarry, but not until then. Jesus made that clear as well, as did the Apostle Paul. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if he be dead, then and only then is she free to remarry and only in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 7.39. So if we defile ourselves with either of those things, we've automatically so tarnished the window of our life that it's going to be very hard for a world that is looking for truth and consistency without hypocrisy to see our light as anything different than what purports to be light in the secular world. And that's just one illustration. But it's a very important illustration because the divorce rate in the church for the past 50 years has virtually equaled that as the nation as a whole, And in the Bible Belt of America for the past 25 years has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%. Which tells us that in the so-called Bible Belt of America, the light purportedly emanating or that should be emanating from the life of professing Christians is actually producing just the opposite result. Even in the name of Christ. You might actually call that a form of blasphemy, using the name of the Lord in vain. While we seek to present him in one way, claiming that our life is a lighthouse, but in reality, all of our choices, or many of them, are diametrically opposed.
And by the way, that's exactly the reason why so many practicing homosexuals have argued, don't come to us and complain about us and the homosexual and lesbian and transgender and all that. Don't complain to us about that because you you think you know your Bible, but you don't believe your Bible either. Just look at your divorces. Just look at you. Where's the light? It's gone out. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world, but if the light that's in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? You and I have the ability and responsibility to let our light shine, which means we have to maintain the lighthouse. There is always somebody charged with maintaining the lighthouse. And if they don't maintain the lighthouse, the windows can become dark, darkened, tarnished, clouded. The power can go out. The lighthouse itself can begin to collapse. And that's why you and I need to do maintain reasonable steps to keep these temples of the living God in good shape. What kind of testimony is it to the glory of God if those who profess the name of Christ allow their temples, that is, their their physical lighthouse structure, to deteriorate unnecessarily? That's not a testimony to the truth, is it? You say, wow, you're kind of stepping on toes here. No, I'm not stepping on toes. I'm just asking questions. I'm just applying the word of God so that you can respond in honesty and integrity and allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. I don't even know you. I can't see the white in your eyes, so I can't shoot. All I can do is faithfully present the word in such a way that the Holy Spirit, you see, can do his work. When we get back, the lighthouse prophet of the seas. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Not long ago, a dear and very sincere Christian brother came to me in tears. He said, Chuck, I need prayer. 
He was broken up. He said, I need prayer for my marriage. And I know it's my fault. And I want to do something about it. What he was really saying is, no matter how much light I want to show for my life, it's not happening because my own marriage is not doing well. Will you help me? I said, absolutely. One of the things that we have available to you is a book called Lasting Love. Lasting Love, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success. It's just a small book, about 100 pages. It's a beautiful book, by the way, for a coffee table or end table somewhere, your bedroom, whatever. It's an absolutely spectacular book. But it contains seven points of a motto that changed our marriage in a huge way and that has become an anchor for so many other people as they embraced those seven secrets of marital success. It's a $14 book. It's yours for $10. It's on our website, saveus.org. Talk about an investment for life. Only $10. And if you read it with an open and honest heart, it'll change your life. It'll change your marriage because the Holy Spirit is going to open to you understanding and secrets that were there all along, you just didn't see it. You weren't operating in it. Lasting love. Enduring secrets for marital success. On our website, saveus.org. At saveus.org, you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, you might even know someone who's troubled, who's having troubles. Or you might know somebody who is about to get married. And they need to set their marriage on, like a lighthouse, on a solid rock. So it's not going to be blown around by the raging winds on the coastline of life. What a blessing that would be. Now, in addition to that, my book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts, is a book that would serve as a lighthouse to fathers. Fatherhood is one of the most difficult problems that we face in our country today. Even Christian fathers, they don't even know how to be spiritual leaders. It's amazing. And this book was written specifically for the purpose of shining the light into a father's life so that he could pick up the baton and become a lighthouse to his children and his wife, and then those around him. It's a $23 book. Yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org. It's a hardbound book. Saveus.org. Oh, it's got a lot of information in it, but it's not primarily about information. It's about transformation.
to you to allow you as a father or grandfather to catch a vision for being a true godly lighthouse in your family. Again, it's on our website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Again, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. If you want both of those books, it'll be $7 total for postage and handling instead of $5 for each. Just let us know. All right. The lighthouse is the prophet of the seas. I'm going to run through this really quickly. A lighthouse is a beacon of warning. The very existence of a lighthouse reveals great danger lurking within the sphere of its base and beam. Failure to heed its message can spell disaster for a careless captain or crew. A mighty ship, once proudly churning the seas, is suddenly humbled and destroyed simply by failure or refusal to heed its simple warning. You may recall the story or parable, true or whether it's not true, I'm not sure, of the captain of a battleship saw the light in the distance and gave the message, change course. You're on a collision course with me. The message came back. No, you need to change course, and you need to do it right away. The captain of the battleship says, No, don't you understand? I am a battleship. You must change course. And the message came back, I don't think you understand, sir. I am a lighthouse. You see, people don't quite get it. They just don't understand the message that God would bring to our lives in tumultuous seas like we're in right now. The purpose of the lighthouse is to be a beacon of warning. Not a beacon of welcome, a beacon of warning. A lighthouse is a beacon of hope. The beacon light from the lighthouse pierces the frightening fog and the enshrouding darkness like we have in our country today. The first glimmer of its rays both woos and warns. The warmth of its light woos the weary sailor with the hope of land and promise of safe harbor. But the very same light warns of destruction if it's not heeded. So to the careful sailor who would correct course, it's a beacon of hope. But to the casual and careless... It can become a beacon of horror. A lighthouse is both positive and negative. To the careful captain and crew, the warning of the beacon that pierces the darkness is welcome, perceived as protection and guiding to a place of safety. But to the careless and arrogant captain and crew, the mere suggestion of course correction is an affront to his pride and personal experience. Whether the message beaming from the lighthouse is deemed positive or negative, a warning or hope is purely a matter of attitude. And viewpoint will likely determine destiny. A lighthouse will produce response either to heed or ignore. 
The message beamed across the water to passing ships is not neutral. The pulsing light calls for decision. The facts are clear. The ambit of danger is real. The message requires response. Land in looming shoals cannot change course. The captain and crew must choose to heed or ignore. And either is a response. To heed is to avoid calamity and embrace hope to attain the desired destination. To ignore is to tempt destruction and put all hope at risk. A lighthouse seeks not to please but to provoke. A lighthouse exists to declare light to ships in darkness. It stands unique among men in society. There are few of them and is put in place for a salutary purpose, to woo and to warn the weary or wandering. Its purpose is not to please, but to provoke to action. Its message may require immediate or emergency course correction. It does not pander to feelings or personal or corporate predilections. Its declaration is sure and without compromise. A lighthouse must either declare or douse its light. The lighthouse has a single message. It does not teach sailors to navigate or how to power their journey, but how to avoid destroying their intended journey. By blazing its beacon, it declares its message. By reducing its intensity or diminishing its light, it douses its message. And a lighthouse that does not boldly blaze its message is an agent of deception. It becomes a house of destruction, notwithstanding its pristine outward appearance. Its moderated message lulls some to deadly inaction, while others to deadly action. The Lighthouse, Prophet of the Seas. God has called this ministry to America for such a time as this. To woo and to warn. To prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. To give light amid ever-growing darkness. And to declare the truth without compromise, in love, but without seeking to pander, not seeking to be liked, but to demonstrate the love of Christ, no matter how it may trouble the mind and heart of the listener. Because you see, if it's received, if the message is received and welcome to protect against destruction, there will be joy at the other end. But if the message is rejected, there will be nothing but horror, pain, chaos, and certainly lack of fulfillment. So I want to thank you for joining us here today on Viewpoint. I felt like you needed to understand, that our listeners needed to understand from the heart, the very nature of what this ministry is about. Yes, we deal with all of the issues of our time from God's eternal perspective. We're not here to pander to any particular political party. We're not here to climb up on the back of elephants or donkeys and try to ride into Washington, D.C. with some sword blazing liberal or conservative. No. 
we're here to proclaim God's eternal message. And it may not fit man's designs. So the question then that comes to my mind as we wrap up here today is, are you a light? Is your life a lighthouse? Really? Have you been heeding the word of the Lord that has been provided and sent to you over days, months, years, maybe decades, to correct course? Or have you been ignoring it? How long can you ignore it and expect to survive? How long can you ignore the message that would allow your lighthouse, the lighthouse of your life, to begin to shine as God intended, but you in your pride and stubbornness continually reject it? You know what happened to Saul, the first king of Israel, don't you? He had stood head and shoulders above the people. God actually chose him. But in his willfulness, in his pride, in his stubbornness, he dissed what God said. He did what he wanted. He did the Frank Sinatra thing. I'll do it my way. And his life was destroyed. It could have brought glory to God and to Israel. But instead, God took his Holy Spirit from him. Very painful. Don't let it happen to you. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Do it today. Don't delay. The other guy's not doing it. The more listeners we have, it seems that the uh, lower the giving, it's quite interesting. I understand the times. If God puts it on your heart to help us to continue to become and be the lighthouse, then do it today and don't delay. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.